listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. So let's go. I'm going to give you seven. Um, Let's jump into them. Reasons that you need to be fasting. Reasons that you definitely, from Scripture, need to be fasting. Today brought to you by Essential Water. Let's go... uh, Let's let's go first to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. That's going to be number 1 today. Let's go there. It's funny. I had a guy that was writing to me the other day um on YouTube and he was upset. Hey, what's up Kenneth? Good to see you. Bianca Blanca, good to have you on too. Lisa. Um Hey, there's brother Freddie Clark and Sylvia Clark. Love you so much. That's a mighty man of God right there. Love you, Brother Freddie Clark and and Sister Sylvia. So we're talking about fasting and prayer, why we need to be fasting and praying right now. And the Bible, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 9. I had a guy that commented the other day on YouTube, and he was trying to correct me, saying Christians should not be fasting uh, now in this time in the New Testament period. Uh, And and he he said, even though, obviously I'm going to read you, uh, this passage from Matthew chapter nine, uh, you know, he, he believed this guy that was trying to correct me, believed that fasting was really just, uh, asceticism. It was just self-discipline. It was not something that was, uh, commanded by God or expected by God for the new Testament believers. And, um, (laughs) so I'm going to show you something real quickly, uh, that Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter nine, we're going to read verse number, let's start with number 14, verse 14. Hey, Tyler, love you, buddy. Cindy, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14 and 15. And by the way, if you're writing these notes, the first reason that we need to be fasting and praying is because Jesus expects his followers to fast and pray. Put it in your notes. Number one, Jesus expects his followers, to fast and pray, without question. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, listen to this. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? And verse 15, and Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Think about that. Uh, Can wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. Look at this. And then they will fast. And then they will fast. That That was a clear expectation of Jesus. He said, when I leave here, my disciples, my followers will fast. Didn't say they might, said they will and it's it's like I, I explained this to somebody one time. It's like, you know, because somebody might say, "Well, he didn't command it." You know, he just said, "You know, they will." He didn't say you must fast. It's not a command. I said, "Let me tell you something." If I was uh, as a kid uh, sitting at the dinner table with my father, and my father said to me, 
uh, you know, if, if we had a guest over that says, hey, how come Teddy doesn't ever clean his room? And my dad looked at me and said, after dinner tonight, Teddy will clean his room. <laughs> well, I could sit there and go, well, you know, dad never really commanded me. He just, you know, he acted like it was an expectation, but he never really commanded me to clean. No, if my father said, as and I was a little boy, after dinner, Teddy will clean his room. After our guests leave, Teddy will clean his room. Let me tell you something. I would have understood immediately that my father was commanding me to clean that room. And in the same way here with Jesus, Jesus is saying it uh, as literally um, a fact. He's not just saying, well, it might ha- maybe it'll happen when I leave. I don't know. No, he, he's saying it as a fact. When I leave here, my disciples will fast. They will fast. And let me tell you how we know that, that they received it that way. Because as soon as Jesus left, the disciples, the apostles, the early church began to fast and pray. We know it because it's recorded in the scripture, by the way. And so this guy said, well, anytime, this is literally what, what the guy says back to me. Well, anytime people are fasting and praying and nowadays, they're just trying to manipulate God into just trying to manipulate God into doing things for them. Like he's some kind of a jukebox. I said, Oh really? I said, you believe he said, yes, because although he went away, Jesus came back on the day of Pentecost. I was like, no, Jesus did not come back on the day of Pentecost. The Holy ghost was sent to the church on the day of Pentecost. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the father, making intercession for us and preparing a place for us. Jesus is in heaven. He's not living in us. The Holy spirit dwells in us. The Bible says, and so I said, Jesus didn't come back on the day of Pentecost and stop everybody from fasting. Uh, in fact, I said, if you believe that, and if you believe that Christians that fast are just trying to manipulate God with asceticism and self-discipline, I said, what do you say about the apostles in Acts chapter 13 that were fasting and praying as they were separating Barnabas and Saul into the ministry? Do you think they were just manipulating God into trying to choose Saul and Barnabas as ministers? No, absolutely not. They were not manipulating God and they weren't fasting and praying outside of God's uh, command. They were doing it as commanded, as Jesus commanded and expected his followers to do. They were obeying. They were obeying. And if you uh, look at church history, you know what you're going to find? Even into the first century and second century, third century churches, you're going to find that Christians were fasting two days a week, faithfully. Fasting two days a week. And so they didn't just say, well, once a year, you know, once a year, we're going to try to, you know, do this in January. No, they made it a part of their life. They made it a part of their life. And so I want to encourage you to make it a part of your life. You know, one of the things that I appreciate that my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth has done and has done since uh, the beginning of Dominion Christian Center in Virginia Beach is that uh, he he has always had uh, three days a month of prayer and fasting at the church. Every month, 
Three days. And that's not a long time. You can get involved in that. Three days. But think of it this way. If you did three days a month of prayer and fasting throughout your whole life, imagine this. That's 36 days of of fasting and prayer every year, not counting what we do in January. So just three days a month is 36 days a year. You know what that is? 365 days in a year. That's giving God a tithe of your year in fasting and prayer. Now, I'm not saying you got to get uh, legalistic about it or religious about it. What I am saying is that it should be a regular part of your life. And what better way to make it a regular part of your life than to have some sort of a goal like that, that allows you to keep track of what you're doing for the Lord in dedication. You know, would you say to somebody that wanted to read their Bible every day? Well, you don't need to read your Bible every day. That's getting legalistic about it. No, you read your Bible every day. Would you say to somebody that was fasting or that was praying every day? You don't need to pray every day. That's legalistic. You know, thinking you need to pray every day. No, you need to pray every day. And in the same way, uh, you know, having a goal like that, as my uncle has done with the church, and Danielle's on, she knows she's a member of that church. Uh, he, she said, yes, and any other time that Lord leads him to call a fast, exactly right. And then so you come to the end of the year, and uh, you've given God a tithe of your year. Can you imagine if I said that like about my wife? Well, I don't need to talk to my wife every day. You know, that's legalistic. No, I want to talk to her every day. I love her. I want to talk to her every day. And so in the same way, more churches need to follow that example of what my uncle is doing at Dominion Christian Center because it's not just something you do once and then forget it. It's a lifestyle. It's something that you do throughout your life. I love that, Marcus. It's exactly right. The scripture says, pray without ceasing. Now, obviously, you can't fast without ceasing. You would die. But you should fast regularly on a regular interval. The, you know, early church, the believers, two days a week. So come up with something in your own life where you can make uh, you know, a goal and say, hey, for the my dedication to the Lord, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, you know, three days a month. I'm going to do one day a week, whatever it might be for you. Be led by the Spirit. But remember this. When I say be led by the Spirit, that's not your out to not do it. The Spirit will lead you to fast. How do I know? Jesus expects it. And if Jesus expects it, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that contradicts an expectation of Jesus, who is the Word. And so the Holy Spirit will lead you to fast. And so just just say, hey, what am I going to do in my life on a regular basis to seek God in fasting and prayer? Number one, it is an expectation of Jesus for every believer, not just for uh, preachers, not just for evangelists, pastors. It's for everybody. Hey, Jordan, love you, buddy. So it is an expectation of Christ. And that the guy on YouTube had no idea what he was talking about. Absolutely zero idea. Doesn't even know how to rightly divide the word of God and, and is really in danger of uh, contradicting Christ. He's in danger of disobeying and contradicting Christ with his prideful attitude. Uh, I don't even know what it, what his deal was. Anyway, um, number one is Jesus commanded his fast. Number two, the second powerful reason we need to be fasting and praying. It is the greatest tool 
that we have to combat temptation. Catch that. It is the greatest tool that we have to combat temptation. If you didn't know that, I'm going to show it to you in the word. Go with me to Luke chapter four. Fasting and prayer are the greatest tools we have to combat temptation and you will be tempted and you'll be constantly tempted. And so as you are, you've got to be definitely praying on a regular basis, but also throwing fasting into that mix as well from time to time. Got to do it. Notice this. Here's the story of Jesus. He just got baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. The heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. How do I know? The Bible says uh, in Luke chapter four and verse one, and Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse two, for 40 days being tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days and when they were ended, he was hungry. He fasted 40 days. But what was going on while he was fasting? He was being tempted. He was he was being tempted. And notice this. I always find this to be interesting, talking about the expectation of God for his people. Jesus was our prototype, by the way. Jesus was our prototype. Um, put that in the comments section, by the way. Jesus was the prototype. Jesus was the prototype. He was what God wants all believers to be. All believers to be. Filled with the Holy Ghost, miracle worker, uh, on fire, holy, set apart. You see what I mean? Strong. Jesus was the prototype. I want you to put it in the comments. And the Bible says, do you find this interesting at all? Do you find it interesting that the first thing that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to do after he got filled with the Holy Ghost was to fast and pray. <laughs> I mean, do you find that interesting? I do. I find it interesting that the first thing that he was led to do was not heal the sick, was not to cast out devils. Hey, Ben. Uh, it was not to uh, do miracles of provision. It was not to, it was none of these things. It wasn't a walk on water. The scripture for number two is Luke chapter four, verses one and two. Luke four, one and two. It's interesting to me that the very first thing that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to do after he got filled with the Holy Ghost was fast and pray. That was it. Fast and pray. And so I look at this and see that he was tempted of the devil. Did he fall into temptation? No. The Bible says he was tempted in all points as we are, but he never sinned. So he never fell into the temptation. What, what do you think it was that uh, allowed him to avoid falling into temptation through this entire 40 days? Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. And that's exactly what he was doing. He did it for 40 days. Was hungry afterwards. That's how you know it was not a supernatural fast, by the way. This was not a supernatural fast. You know, where like Moses, for example. Let me give you the example of Moses. 
in the, in the book of Exodus, Moses goes on, up on top of the mountain. God is there with him. And the Bible says not only did Moses eat nothing for 40 days, he drank nothing for 40 days. Let me tell you something. That's supernatural. You can't go. If you go longer than three days without water, it's very damaging to your physical body. So you can see Moses' 40-day fast was a supernatural fast because not only did he eat nothing, he drank nothing and was absolutely fine. And he was. we know he was so in the presence of God that when he came down off the mountain, his face was glowing so much that it scared the people. He had to put a veil over his face. So he was in the direct presence of God for 40 days. Jesus was being tempted by the devil for 40 days and was fasting and praying by faith. And the Bible doesn't say Jesus drank nothing. It says he ate nothing. And it was it was something he did led by the Holy Spirit. Notice, tempted the entire time, never fell into that temptation. Never. Never. And so you go further. Look at Christ's, uh, what he tells the disciples. Go to Matthew 26. We'll go to Matthew chapter 26. And look at this. And verse 40. And he came to the disciples. This is, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you, could you not watch with me for one hour? You couldn't even pray for an hour? Had to fall asleep? Verse 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. You see that? That's verse 41. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So look at these two uh, passages combined together. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted of the devil. What's he doing? Fasting and praying. And he didn't fall into temptation. What does Jesus say at the end of his ministry to the disciples in Matthew 26? Watch and pray. Pray, pray, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And then look at this phrase, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's the flesh that's weak that wants to fall into sin. So what is it that keeps us from that place? Well, one, one thing that we need to realize, yes, we should be praying every day, but some Christians, I'm not looking at you, someone else that's not you, some Christians <laughs> are so controlled by their flesh, so controlled by their carnal nature that they don't even hear the voice of God. I mean, they're literally what we might refer to as a carnal Christian, fleshly Christian, flesh-driven, flesh-led. And so because of that, they don't even hear the voice of God. They pray, you know, if they even get to it, they don't hear God's voice. Why? Their flesh has taken over. Carnal nature has taken over. Fasting is one of the tools given to us by God to weaken that flesh, to weaken that carnal nature. And let me tell you something, by the way. Nothing weakens the flesh more quickly than not giving it calories. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Here's a side note. For everybody that's going to be doing some fasting, do it the Bible way. Don't eat food. That's what fasting is in the Bible. It's always what it was in the Bible. It's never, 
you know, well, I'm giving up donuts. <laughs> I'm giving up donuts. I'm giving up uh, sugar. You know what? I'm doing a no, no coffee fast. Hey, Niall. Love you, buddy. It's, it's never that. In the Bible, all the fasts in the Bible were no food. I'll deal with that in the book as well. By the way, the Daniel fast was not a fast. I'll prove it in the book. The Daniel fast was not a fast. Um, and so if you're going to do it, do it the Bible way. Because one of the purposes is it weakens your flesh. Fasting social media does not weaken your flesh. Fasting watching television does not weaken your flesh. Hear what I'm saying? Fasting going out to eat doesn't weaken the flesh. You understand? John Napier said, hey, us, for us police officers, those donuts are hard to give up. <laughs> You've got to do what the Bible's commanded you to do. You know, if social media fasting and Netflix fasting was a real fast, everyone in the Bible did that for their entire life. <laughs> it's not what God meant. In fact, can I tell you something interesting? I'll tell you something interesting. Uh, the man, the German man who wrote the foremost uh, lexicon on Hebrew language, um, when studying the word psalm, which is translated fasting in the Old Testament Hebrew, he said when you study the etymology out, it actually, that Hebrew word actually literally means to cover or close the mouth. The Hebrew word for fasting actually means to cover or close the mouth in its most literal form. So understand something, that was God's intent. When it was time to fast, and we see it as from the uh, we see it from the example of everyone that fasted in the Bible, by the way, everyone that fasted in the Bible, including Daniel, read Daniel chapter nine before J- Daniel chapter 10. Uh, it, it's to close or cover the mouth. That's exactly what it is. So it means don't eat. It means don't eat. doesn't mean don't go on social media. That's something maybe you should do while you're not eating and give time to prayer and fasting. Don't watch, you know, don't binge watch Netflix shows through your fast. You know, it's funny because some people, some people will, will fast, you know, they want to fast 14 days, but you know, they sleep the fast away. They watch movies the whole time. They're out on social media. They're doing stuff. It would be better for you to do three days of intense fasting and prayer where you're just giving your time to God. Than it would to be doing 21 days where, you know, you're not even pressing in. Take it seriously. It's the greatest tool to combat temptation, according to Christ. Christ's life proved that and his command proved that in Matthew 26. You'll not fall into temptation. So I want you to put in the comments, number two, uh, it's the greatest tool to combat temptation, fasting and prayer. Did you know there's only actually two reasons Christians fall into sin? Only two. I've I've dealt with it on the broadcast over and over, but there's only two reasons that Christians fall into sin. Number one, they're not praying, Matthew 26, 41. They're not praying and praying and fasting. And number two, they've not filled their heart with the word of God. David wrote in Psalm 119, he said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. That's a key. So fill yourself with the word daily, pray daily, and those are two things that will allow you to live free from sin. So that's number two. Number three, the third powerful reason to fast that you need to be fasting, I need to be fasting, is it allows us to manifest supernatural power. Fasting and prayer allow us 
to manifest supernatural power, God's power on the earth. Think about that. John Napier says, might have been Dake, says a man that's lost his power over temptation because of food and through fasting man gets the power over it. It's paraphrased well. Yeah, it's exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, We need number three to manifest the supernatural power of God. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, look what the Bible says now. We're in Luke chapter four is where we were. Let's go back there. And what does the Bible say? That Jesus was led full of the Holy Spirit, led into the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit. But then he did what? 40 days of fasting and prayer. Look at verse 14, how, what, what happens after that time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So notice he was led by the Spirit into fasting and prayer, came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That should show you something. He was led in by the Spirit, came out by the in the power of the Spirit. And then we see the difference between he and the disciples in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, the Bible says that the, the disciples had attempted to pray for a demon-possessed boy and were not able to cast the demon out of that boy, which confused them because they had cast out demons before and Christ had given them the ability and power to do it. And then the parents said, hey, we brought our son to your disciples. They couldn't cast the demon out of him. And Jesus, of course, rebukes them, cast the demon out without sweat. And afterwards they asked him, how come we couldn't cast that demon out of that boy? And what did he say? Because of your unbelief. But then he says something interesting in Mark 9, 29. In Mark 9, 29, he says, but this kind does not come out except by prayer and some manuscripts say and fasting, prayer and fasting. So Jesus was actually teaching them a principle. Your dedication level determines your demonstration level. Man, you need to put that in the comments. You need to put it in the comments. Your dedication level determines your demonstration level. People that, listen, anybody I know, anybody I know that's been a powerful man or woman of God, that's actually walked in the power of God, have been people of fasting and prayer. Everyone, every single one. I don't know people that walk in the miracle working power of God that aren't people of fasting and prayer. I don't know any at all. Your dedication level determines your demonstration level. No question about that. No question about that. And so Jesus is actually saying that to them. Um, You couldn't cast this demon out because this kind of demon. So what's he saying? That there are levels of supernatural power. There's levels of demonic power. And you're not at the level uh, to cast this kind of a demon out. You just aren't. That's why you couldn't do it. And this kind doesn't come out except by fasting and prayer. You see that? This kind of demon. So there's different kinds of supernatural uh, resistance. There's different kinds of demonic attack. 
And if you want to conquer, you got to be a person of fasting and prayer. Anybody I've ever seen that's shaken their generation with the power of God, fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer. Brother Allen, Brother Shambach, Jack Coe, Oral Roberts, I mean, Reinhard Bonnke, Dr. Cho, Brother Hagen. You go down through the list, my father, all kinds of people, Rodney Howard Brown. You know, there are people that fast and pray. (laughs) You can't be a powerful person without being a dedicated person. My dedication level determines my demonstration level. No question about it. And Jesus was teaching that to his disciples. And of course, it happened to him in his own life. Let me ask you this question. Did Jesus produce any miracles at all before he was filled with the Holy Ghost? No. Did he produce any miracles at all before he fasted and prayed? No. No, he did not. Your dedication level determines your demonstration level. Jesus was a man that that prayed all the time, prayed through the night, rose early before the dawn. I mean, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed, fasted. And we got to be like our master if we want to have the same results that he did. And he's the one who said in John 14, 12, the works that I do, you'll do also and greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father. So he knew he was sending us the Holy Ghost and he knew what he expected. When I leave here, my disciples will fast. They will fast. And so that is number three. Number four, the fourth reason that you need to fast and pray is to be in the flow of God's plan for your life, to be led by the Spirit. Now, you don't have to fast to be led by the Spirit. But as I said a moment ago, many Christians are so carnal, so flesh-driven that they don't even hear the voice of God. They don't even hear the voice of God. And so what needs to be done? They need to fast and pray and get that flesh in subjection to the Spirit of God. Fast and pray. Get your spirit. The scripture reference returning in the power of the Holy Spirit is Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. In Luke 4, 1, he was led into the spirit full of the Holy Ghost or led into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. Luke 4, 14, returned from the wilderness in the power of the Holy Ghost. Something changed in the wilderness. And so number four, it's to be in the flow of God's plan for your life. Got to be in the flow of God's plan without question for your life. Go with me to Acts chapter 10. And we know that uh, the Gentiles are about to get the gospel. An Italian family is about to get the gospel. Paul uh, Peter is getting ready to be sent to them by God. And so I want you to see this. I'm going to go right to uh, the first verse of Acts chapter 10. Listen to this. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household, uh, gave alms generously to the people, prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, he stared in terror and said, what is it, Lord? 
He said, uh, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God and now send men to Joppa to bring one who's Simon, who's called Peter. Uh, he's lodging with one Simon a Tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants, devout soldier from those who attended him, related everything to them and sent them to Joppa. And uh, the Bible says, notice this, next day they were on the journey approaching the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance, a forced fast. (laughs) He was in a forced fast and uh, became hungry, wanted something to eat, saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. All kinds of animals, including ones Jews weren't allowed to eat. And there came a voice, the voice of Jesus, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, by no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything that was common or unclean. And the voice said, don't what God has called clean, don't call common. This happened three times and he was, then the thing was taken up into heaven. What was God trying to reveal to him? Don't call the Gentiles unclean if I've called them clean. Don't call them unworthy to receive the gospel if I've made them worthy to receive the gospel. That was Peter's revelation from from the Lord. And so the Bible says, and while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision had meant, uh, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. And they called out to ask whether he, he was lodging there. And while he was thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, hey, three men are looking for you. Rise and go and accompany them without hesitation. I've sent them. And uh, they literally take him to Cornelius's house. Let me see here. I want to take you down further. Uh, tells Corne- Cornelius, Cornelius said, four days ago about the, this hour, I was praying in my house, the ninth hour. Behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, your prayer has been heard by God. Uh, your alms have been remembered by God. Send, therefore, people to go get Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner. And so then Peter begins to preach. So one of the things that takes place is that if you want to be in the flow of God's plan, I'll give you another example. Uh, Same book, go three chapters later. Here are men that are like wanting so badly to be led by God's plan for the church and for their life. What do they do? They start fasting and praying, Acts 13. And the Bible says, uh, there were, this is verses 1 through 3, Acts 13, 1 through 3, same thing. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, a Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, you see that? That's so important. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying again, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Notice the Holy Spirit spoke about the direction as they fasted and prayed. Acts 13, one through three, the direction that they needed to be in the flow of God's plan. Notice And I'll be covering all this in the book as well. But notice this, even the planting of the churches in the early church were not done flippantly. They were done through fasting and prayer. 
fasting and prayer. So if you want to be in the flow of God's plan for your life, the flow of God's plan, I always tell people this, don't make any uh, important decisions. No life decisions without fasting and praying. Don't do it. Don't just marry somebody. Don't just go to some college. Don't just buy some house. Don't just take some career path. Don't make life decisions as a Christian without fasting and prayer. Why would you make a flippant decision when God has a plan for your life? Don't do it. I told you the other day, everything that I have done in my life, every major decision has been made through fasting and prayer. Where I went to college, who I married, you know, where I moved to start my ministry, what, you know, when, when I moved to Florida, everything, everything that every major decision I've ever made has been made through fasting and prayer. And it's always been the right one. Always, always. The Lord has never led me in the wrong direction. You know why? He's the Lord, your God that teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. No question. And so let me tell you, without question, that anytime you're going to make a decision, because God's interested in your life, he has a plan for your life, he loves you, he doesn't want to see you broken or destroyed, wants to see you blessed, wants to see you in the middle of his will. So when we consult the Lord, see, that's that's the key. We've got to consult the Lord. That's humility. That's humbling yourself. That's me saying, I don't know what I should do. My own wisdom is not enough. My own natural wisdom is limited. It's finite, but God is infinite. He has all wisdom. He is omniscient. He knows what should be done in my life. I'll ask him. I will humble myself and submit myself to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, let me tell you something. You'll always be in the right place at the right time. Fasting and prayer positions you to be in the flow of God's plan. And let me tell you, that's right. Don't go to any college, Cora. Don't let your daughters go to any college. Pray fast. Lord, direct us, guide us, guide us. And he will guide you. He will guide you. That's his desire and plan to guide his people. That's what he wants. Number five, what else do we do? What else do we do? What's another reason that we should fast and pray? Well, uh, another reason we should fast and pray is for fresh revelation of God's word. Fresh revelation of God's word. I want to just point out that when, morning Nathan, I love you buddy. Uh, I want to point out as Peter was fasting, was not eating, he was praying, he was in the, in the presence of God he saw a fresh revelation that no no Jew had ever seen. No Jew had ever seen. Uh, let me give it to you from Isaiah 58. The Bible says, uh, in Isaiah 58, talking about where God said, is this not the fast that I have chosen? He says, if you'll do it in the way that I want you to do it, what's the first blessing that comes to pass in Isaiah 58? Then will your light break forth like the morning. Then will your light break forth like the morning. The light of God is the light of his word. The light of God is the light of his word. What does the Bible say in Psalm 119 and verse 130? The entrance of your words brings light. Hallelujah. The entrance 
of your words brings light. Your light shall break forth like the morning. You'll begin to see things you've never seen. You'll begin to have revelation of God's word. I can tell you for personal experience that when I begin to fast and pray, it's like my spirit man unlocks. It's like the flesh, the filter of the flesh is moved out of the way and I can even see things. God shows me things in the word, revelation of his word. Uh, as Paul, this is how Paul referred to it, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know the hope of our glorious calling, riches of his inheritance in the saints. So there is a, a revelatory gift that can come upon you that you can see things you've never seen in the spirit. Fresh revelation. Well, what's important about what's important about that? Why should we need fresh revelation? Well, the Bible teaches us that we can only fly as high as the truth that we do have. John 8:32. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So the, if you don't have that the fresh revelation of God's word. For example, if you don't have a revelation of healing, you can't walk in healing. If you don't have faith for healing, a revelation of healing and how it works, you can't walk in it. You can't live in it on a daily basis. If you don't have a revelation of prosperity from God's word, blessing, provision, you can't walk in it. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. When we fast and pray, our light will break forth like the morning. The entrance of his word brings light. That's number five, fresh revelation of God's word. Number six, fasting initiates revival. Oh, hallelujah. Fasting and prayer initiates revival. I want you to go with me to the book of Joel, Old Testament, prophet Joel, chapter two. Joel chapter 2. And look at this. The Bible says, I'm going to start with verse 12, Joel 2, 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Let me tell you something. There's people in America right now, even some churches that need to return to the Lord with fasting, weeping, and mourning. So, brother, you know, we're not in that day anymore. We're in the glorious days of Christ has come and redeemed us. And it's true. But there's some people that need to be mourning. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Hey, Robin, love you. And so there's there, there should be people that are mourning about what's going on in the state of their church, in the state of this nation, and fasting and calling out to God. Rend your hearts and, and, and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he's gracious, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will turn, not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, grain offering, drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Number six, fasting initiates revival. Fasting initiates revival. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. 
Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children. Our children need to be taking part in this. They need to be praying. Even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room, the bride in her chamber. Now go down with me to verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward. (laughs) You see that? It'll come to pass afterward. After what? After all those things. After all those things. Fasting, prayer, consecration, mourning, weeping. Rend your heart. Come back to me. And it'll come come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit. I'll show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire, columns of smoke, sun and moon be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. Before that day of the Lord comes, it shall come to pass. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. One of the things, it's like you look at the Brownsville revival that took place in Florida, Pensacola, Florida. You know how that revival started? Fasting and prayer. (laughs) Did you know that Brother Kilpatrick canceled his Sunday night service for a long time? Canceled it and said, all we're going to do is have prayer on Sunday nights. We're going to pray, 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 pray. You know, he heard about it. Dr. Cho in in Seoul, Korea was seeking the face of God in prayer. And the Lord spoke to him and, and showed him where the next revival would take place on the earth and showed Dr. Cho Pensacola, Florida. And so he began prophesying it from his platform in Korea. Brother Kilpatrick heard about it, believed the word that had come from prayer, and he started praying and seeking the face of God. And then guess what happened? The Pensacola-Brownsville revival broke out. It was coming from times of prayer and fasting. That's how Cho changed Korea. That's how Bishop Oyedepo is changing Nigeria when Pastor Adeboye is changing Nigeria. How? Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. It initiates revival. That's number six. So if you've missed these, let me quickly run through them. Number one, Jesus commanded us to fast. Number two, it's the greatest tool to combat temptation. Number three, to manifest spiritual power and demonstration. Number four, to be in the flow of God's plan for your life. Number five, to receive fresh revelation of God's word. Number six, to initiate revival and a move of God, even personally in your own life. You can literally, uh, you can literally position yourself for personal revival, personal revival by fasting and praying. You'll have it in your own home. And then let me give you number, number seven, the seventh reason And I would say, call it a benefit of fasting and prayer. Isaiah 58, the Bible says, then will your health come speedily. Your health will break forth speedily. Let's go there. Isaiah 58. This will be the last one I'll pray for you. But I'm encouraging you to spend time fasting and praying. Isaiah 58 and verse 8 Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. You know, it's interesting to me. 
it's interesting that um, doctors, you know, are now pushing the benefits of fasting. They're telling us now that even via fasting, you know, water fasting for 48 hours, your stem cells begin to regenerate. (laughs) It's good for every part of your body. There's so many toxins in people's bodies now from all the preservatives and foods we eat that a cleanse, like a water fast as God commanded, actually has natural benefits on your body, not just supernatural. And God in his infinite wisdom knew that. He understood. He know, He created the human body. He knows. Did you know that over 50% of people that are in the hospital for care right now are in the hospital for metabolic problems? That if they would just control their eating, control their diet, the thing that's destroying America, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, high blood pressure, all of those things can be just eliminated by using wisdom when you eat and controlling yourself when you eat. Times of fasting and prayer dethrone your stomach. It dethrones your stomach. I'm going to be dealing with something in the book that uh, Franklin Hall taught in his book, um, Atomic Power with God Through Fasting and Prayer. He deals with the four appetites that every human has to deal with. Four appetites. Four appetites. And... uh, You've got to deal with them because your flesh will rule you if you let it. Totally will rule you if you let it. You have to dethrone your stomach. Take your stomach off of the throne. It's like I heard one preacher say, my body doesn't tell me when it eats. I tell it when it eats. It's not in control of me. I'm in control of it. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I put my body under on a daily basis. The real I is his spirit man. I put my body under. On a daily basis, daily basis, making it do what it should see. And when you do that, it's not just that, but when you're fasting and praying, it's not just good for your body. You have access to divine healing. You've got access to divine healing. That's your story. As a believer, you have a covenant. One of the ways that we access divine healing is not just through the laying on of hands. It's not just through prayer cloths. It's not just through the anointing oil. It's not just through the spoken word. It's not just, no, it's also through fasting and prayer. One of the ways that God ordained for you to receive healing in your body is through fasting and prayer. The Bible tells us your healing shall spring up speedily. And so one of the things you need to expect as you're fasting and praying is that your body be healed in Jesus name. Amen. And I know, I understand there's people that need a touch. I'm going to actually pray for you today. I feel the anointing to pray and ask God to heal his people. But I'm going to ask the Lord to touch your physical body and bring healing speedily to you as you begin to fast and pray. But take time through the rest of these three months, especially if you're an American, pray for America. Pray for America. Pray for this election. Pray that God's hand would come upon our nation. Pray, as he prophesied, you know, we, we received this word last year, that his, his anointing is going to sweep through this nation again, doors of opportunity opening for revival. Pray for this nation. Pray for your president. Pray for the church at large in America. Fast and pray. Ask God to touch this nation. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and woman that's watching the broadcast today. I ask you, send your anointing to them where they are. Heal every sick body today. 
in Jesus' name. Heal every sick body. I curse sickness and disease. Cancer cells have to shrivel and die. Lord, touch every pancreas, those that are battling with diabetes. Let it produce like it used to produce. Touch their blood cells. Let it receive. Let them receive insulin. I pray for those that have high blood pressure, hypertension. I pray for those with arthritis, those that are battling COPD, hardness of hearing, blindness, cataracts. I take authority over every attack of the devil against your people. And from this day forward, I pray divine healing flow through their body. Make them whole. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in them, quickens their mortal body today in Jesus' name. Receive it into your body, divine healing by the power of the Holy Ghost. Be healed in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, and give you praise. Amen. Listen, when God touches you, send me that testimony. I want to hear what the Lord did for you. And I'm telling you, get ready for the best days you've ever seen. October, November, December, violent increase, expedited favor. I'm so excited. We got that brand new book by Dr. Lester Summerall, Adventuring with Christ. And um, for those of you that are standing with us in partnership in the month of October, that's going to be our gift to you. Those that are sewing $85 or more this month, I want to give you that book. It's like reading a novel of faith adventures. And what a life Dr. Summerall had. It was unbelievable. And uh, that's our gift to you. Uh, if you want to sow a seed today, it's very easy to do. Go to MiracleWord.com and click on the Give tab. And there's all kinds of ways you can give. You can use Cash App. The username is MWGive. If you want to use Venmo, it's the same username, MWGive. PayPal is available. Uh, if you'd like to mail a check, our address is at the bottom of every page of our website if, you're, if you want to mail a check. We encourage you to partner with us. What can you do? Ask the Lord, what can I do today uh, and monthly to stand with Ted and Carolyn as they're touching the world? Do you know we're getting ready to go on television all over the world? The doors swung wide open and we're stepping through. We're running through by faith. And God's going to touch people and save people and heal people. You're a part of it with your sowing, with your partnership. Stand with us however you can. Ask the Lord. He'll tell you. And then follow the voice of his spirit and you'll be blessed. And that's our gift to you. And then for everybody that's sowing $1,000 or more today, we're going to be sending you the genuine leather. If you missed yesterday's broadcast, this is one of my number one tools for Bible study. The Life Application Study Bible and Notes. We have them uh, for you in genuine leather editions that are very, you can't find them like at any bookstores. We get them directly from the publisher and uh, I'm going to sign it and send it to you as well as my hardcover limited edition further faster uh, as our way of saying thank you for stepping up and sewing largely to those that are they're sewing a thousand dollars or more. Man, I love you. Tonight is our final night here in Ohio. I'll be in Kenton, Ohio at the Only Believe Ministries um, campus there in Kenton. And I'm very excited uh, for what God's going to do tonight. I, I, it's good to see people are driving in. Looking forward to seeing you. We're going to have a great time tonight. And then tomorrow, I get to fly home and see my babies and my wife before we start uh, next week in Fitchburg, Massachusetts at Crossroads Community Church. I'll be there with my father and uh, Pastor Brian Tomes. We're excited, man. Any of the meetings we've got coming up can be found on the website, miracleword.com, and then go to the schedule page. Everything confirmed is there. Join us live in revival, man. It's It's been phenomenal. 
And then let me say, if you missed it at the beginning, the brand new Miracle Word Kids mission is out for October. Go to MiracleWordKids.com and download it for free today. Probably the best one we've ever done. I love the beautiful, the look of it is awesome. They did a great job. Tiffany Carolyn, great, great job uh, on this new edition. I love it. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me today. I'll see you tonight. I think it's live stream. I'm not sure, uh, but check back with our page. If not, I'll see you again very soon. I love you so much. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.